first thing I'll say is this. Um, that a multi-ethnic church is not a trend. Mm. Unity and reconciliation is a gospel imperative. That's right. So I think the way that we view the gospel is important. And I think the reason that we've missed it historically is because we have such a small view of the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Multi-Ethnic Gospel Approach Podcast, where we cover all things multi-ethnic. It's the M-E-G-A-P-O-B-C-A-S-T, the Mega Podcast. It's the M-E-G-A-P-O-B-C-A-S-T, Mega Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mega Podcast. We cover all things as far as multi-ethnic ministry and the church, and we are so excited to hop in today. And here with my man, Marcel Joseph. Hey, what's yeah, good, man? That's right, man. So we're, we've been serving here together at Three Circle Church Midtown here in Season 2 of the Mega Podcast, and we have had some amazing guests thus far that really are helping us know how to do this thing called the multi-ethnic, multi-class church on purpose. And so, uh, so much we can learn about being an urban church and engaging the next generation. And so, we have got a great guest today. So, I'm going to turn it to my yeah. man, Marcel. Let hey. him uh, take us the next step. Yeah, thanks for that, man. So, listen, we have an incredible um, worship leader, an incredible singer-songwriter, um, Grammy award-winning uh, singer-songwriter, uh, the KJ Scriven with us. And so, as we bring him on, um, listen, he has a wealth of knowledge that we're just going to lean in. And I'm going to be a student today. We're going to be students today and just kind of understanding um, how to create a multi-ethnic worship environment, all right? And so um, him, uh, he has been with Transformation Church for years. They have been a leading church in this thing called multi-ethnic ministry uh, for now over two decades, I think. Is that about right? I think so. Anywho, yeah, around that time. So they've been leading <laughs> for a while. And so at this time, we just want to be students. And so without further ado, I want to uh, present to our mega podcast uh, audience, KJ Scriven. What's up, man? What's up, guys? Uh, thank you all so much for having me, man. I am I am so honored. I'm so glad that you guys are doing a podcast like this. Um, I think it's uh, uh, super relevant. And uh, and when I say relevant, um, a lot of people think technology when they think relevancy. Mm. Um, but relevancy is how is the gospel relevant to the issues that we face around us today? Mm. Absolutely. Um, and this is definitely clearly um uh, uh, reconciliation, That's right? Um, yeah. Diversity, yeah. unity. That's it. Um, and unity within diversity yeah. is yeah. important. So I'm, I'm excited about hanging out with you all uh, today. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, man. Hey, if you could just take a moment, man, tell us about what you're doing there in Charlotte at Transformation Church and just, you know, all the things you're doing as KJ Scriven. And just give us a little snapshot of, of, of who you are and all that you do, man. Absolutely, man. Well, um, I am the husband of one wife. Hello. Um, <laughs> my wife is Kyra Scriven, and uh, I have a daughter named Allison. She turned six this week. Awesome. And uh, I am honored to be uh, Kyra's husband and Allie's dad first. Yeah. Um, but I love um, the church. I love the local church. Um, I'm a part of Transformation Church, like you said, in the Charlotte slash South Carolina region. Uh, Dr. Derwin Gray is my pastor, and uh, he's amazing, and uh, a uh, an incredible theologian, incredible man, incredible father and husband, and um, and so yeah, so I, I've been on staff for a little over seven years now. Um, our church is actually um, uh, 
uh, just turned 11 years old this year. Mm. And uh, um, so, uh, yes, we've been doing that. And uh, I am I was a worship leader, came on initially kind of as a kind of contract worship leader. I didn't want to be on staff at a church. I was um, traveling a lot, touring, doing music, all of that jazz, um, kind of living the dream. And what's funny, you mentioned the whole Grammy thing. That was an interesting part of my story because um, we won that Grammy with Ty Tribbett in, in uh, January of 2014. Um, and then in February of 2014, um, I met the folks at TC. Mm-hmm. Um, March of 2014, I got a record deal um, that I've been waiting for, wow. that I've been working for for about four or five years, touring as an independent artist. Yeah, yeah. And was so excited about that and um, felt the Lord telling me, no, not now. Mm. This is not the time. Um, lean into the local church, not just for what I could give the church, but for the discipleship and the development that I needed as a man mm. and as a disciple. And so uh, I did that. Um, so that was March where I got the record deal. Turned that down. And in April 2014, I came on staff at TC. Wow. And so um, here we are, um, April of 2021. Wow. And, uh, and so, yeah, so it's, it's been an incredible journey. Um, I'm the executive pastor of Creative Arts and Campus Services um, at TC. And so I kind of um, pastor all things creative, all things weekend service. So worship, production, technical, communications, mm-hmm. um, broadcast, all of those things. Wow. So uh, I, I stay busy. Um, and uh, obviously, like you mentioned, I'm a songwriter. I'm an artist. I'm a worship leader. So um, I do a lot of stuff in music. Um, I teach, preach. Um, any way we can get the gospel out, I'll use whatever gift I have, um, uh, to get, to get that good news out. So that's, uh, that's a little bit about me. That's awesome, awesome. man. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Well, Hey, for those of you who are watching currently, um, please make sure you hit the subscribe button and hit that notification bell. Um, and also take the time and share it with your, uh, family, your friends, your cousins, your mom and them. Let them know we are <laughs> on, right. we are in full effect, and we are here on the Mega Podcast. And so also, if you want to uh, connect with us on any of our other platforms, just listening-wise, we have a link in the description where you can just click on that link and follow us everywhere, all right? So share it, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and all that good stuff. Without any uh, you know, other delay, I want to jump into these questions, all right? Because uh, this is... All right. He said, he said, hit him with it. Let's go. All right. So my first question for you um, is what are some things that worship leaders must understand in order to lead in a multi-ethnic worship environment effectively? Effectively. Really good. You got about seven hours. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, we're good. So we're good. Here, 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 here's some, here's some just quick bullet points I'll hit. First is. First thing I'll say is this, um, that a multi-ethnic church is not a trend. Mm. Unity and reconciliation is a gospel imperative. That's right. So I think the way that we view the gospel is important. And I think the reason that we've missed it historically is because we have such a small view of the gospel. Mm. And so we have viewed the gospel as Jesus died. Died. The bad news is that I'm a sinner 
The good news is that Jesus died for my sins and he rose and he sent his Holy Spirit so that I could have life more abundantly. That's a part of the story. It's not the whole story. It's a very important part of the story, but it's not the whole story. And so we see the gospel from a very individualistic lens. That's what's a lot. That, that is what allows us to go to our silos, um, to go um, and be around people that we feel the most comfortable around. Um, you know, in fact, Matthew five, Jesus is on the Sermon on the Mount. And at the very end, the very end of that Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard it says, you've heard it said to um, to love your neighbors and hate those who are your enemies. But I say, in order for you, check this out. He says, he says, in order for you to be described as a child of God, I'm calling you to love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you, right? Mm. He says, then he says, look, even unbelievers. You know, even pagan worshipers, even tax collectors, they love people that love them. Mm. He's like, do you want a cookie for that? Hmm. Yeah. Wow. He's saying, he says, he says, I've called you to take a step higher as a child of God. If you're going to claim to be a child of God, then I want you to take another step. And I've called you to love your enemies. And so, of course, the question is, who is my neighbor? And the question is, who is my enemy? Yeah. And I think. You know, Jesus spoke in terms that were really, you know, direct and really, you know, almost like inflammatory in a way to catch people's attention. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But we tend to and, and it's a it's a survival. I'm not trying to beat up on anybody. It's almost like a survival, you know, technique that we do. We naturally sort of attract to people that we think are like us. It's actually more of a survival thing. Mm. But Jesus is saying, I'm calling you higher. Right. So my point is, I'm not trying to get too far off into that. I want to stay on your question, but I'm saying we have to understand that this is a gospel and this is this is a part of the gospel. This is an outflow of the gospel. Is that reconciliation? Right. That has to be socialized, not only to the leadership, but to the team, because guess what's going to happen when you put different people from different generations, different cultural backgrounds and different ethnicities in the same room? Our preferences are going to clash. It's a natural, um, it's a natural part of the journey. It's going to happen. So the question is, when it does happen, do we have the mindset that says, "No, my preference is better than your preference," or do we say, "I'm willing, at times, to uh, hold on to my preferences, and then at times, I'm willing to put down my preferences, pick up my cross." For my brother and my sister. So if we don't have that mindset, we're not going to make it. Yeah. If we're just doing it because it's the trendy thing to do, you're not going to make it because it's difficult. I will even tell you, um, I had one Sunday where um, I'm not even going to tell you about the whole set because it'll give the story away. But I had a lady that came to a church. I mean, she'd only been to our church like two times, maybe. Um, so she's, of course, she's just a veteran. She knows everything there is to know about our church. But <laughs> she comes to me after the service, comes up to the stage after service and 
And she says, well, you know, I know you guys say you're a multi-ethnic church, but I just don't see that reflected in your music. I just don't see multi-ethnic. I mean, I didn't really feel like it was that diverse. You know, um, I don't I don't I don't, I don't think so. Then another guy comes to me. Literally, she's still kind of talking. And he says, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to tell you, man, when it comes to multi-ethnic worship, that was a clinic today. That was incredible. You guys did Spanish. You did gospel. You did contemporary. You even sang some hymns in there. Like, I saw the way you we you wove all that together. That was a clinic on how to do multi-ethnic worship. Wow. And in that moment, you know, my first instinct was to say, yeah, now what? Now shut up and leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't a Christ-like thing to do, obviously. For sure. But what I really asked myself and I asked her, I said, well, which one of you guys are right? Who's right? You or him? So that's one of the most difficult things to remember. Number one, um, your identity is in Christ. It's not going to be easy. People's preferences um, and what they think worship should be may clash. But if you have a gospel foundation, if you're rooted in the gospel and you know that this is bigger than just you feeling good on Sunday. And that's for the audience it's for congregation, not the audience it's for the congregation and that's for the worship leader. So if you don't remember that your identity is in Christ, yeah, it's going to be difficult for you. Because on your best Sunday, you can put all the things in the set. And you're still going to fall short in somebody's eyes. Mm. And so um, those are a few of the things I would say. Another thing, one last thing that I think is important, because there's more I can say, but I'll leave it here. Cross-cultural competency. Mm, Cross-cultural competency. Very important. And so what I mean by that is, You know, somebody from New York will call, I mean, all you guys, you guys are in the South, so you get it, like, we call it soda. Someone else in up North may call it pop. It's the same thing, but we name it different things. Yeah. yeah. So the same thing happens in worship cultures, and I'm speaking more specifically to worship leaders who are leading teams, right? You cannot have a person come in. You need to be asking a ton of questions. You can't have a person coming in and you making assumptions about what they know or what they don't know about your culture. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so important both ways for people to to talk a lot, over communicate, ask questions. Don't just make assumptions. Yeah. Ask questions about where are you from? How was music where you came from? What resonated where you came from? And everybody begins to have that conversation, right? What happens is proximity breeds relationship. Relationship breeds understanding. Understanding breeds compassion. And compassion changes the way you operate amongst each other. That's good. Right? So, but that second step is not enough to just be in proximity, you got to move to understanding. But the only way you can get an understanding is if you ask questions. Yeah. And so I remember, man, um, I led at a very, very large um, Baptist church. Um, and it was my first time ever using, I, I didn't know anything about Planning Center. 
I never, I didn't play to with a guide in my ear. I didn't use in ears. <laughs> you know, I didn't yeah. know about any of that stuff. So, um, and to be very frank, I didn't read sheet music. Yeah. So the way I learned the song was I listened to the MP3 and I just played it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So depending on your culture, so. When I first come in there, I'm coming, you know, and I grew up in a Pentecostal church, a, a predominantly black Pentecostal church is what I grew up in. Oh, I overstand. And so, purpose. yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. And so, 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 of course, I, I begin to explore things. I, I, I left that church, but begin to kind of explore. And I'm trying to have a better understanding of things. And this church reaches out because they hear about this guy in the city that plays guitar and is decently smart and can play different genres. So they reach out like, man, we're trying to diversify. They bring me in and, uh, you know, <laughs> where I grew up, rehearsal meant that you were going to learn the songs at rehearsal. <laughs> Facts. Now, if you were said, hey, we got to run through, then it's a different language. And so I'm understanding, like, oh, I'm supposed to already know the music before I get there. Yeah. Didn't know that. Mm. So I get there to rehearse and I'm like, man, it seems like everybody already knows these songs. Then on top of that, the set of songs that we're using, I'd never heard any of these songs in my life. Mm. So imagine going in and like every week, you know, you know, it's one thing to not play a song, but you heard it on the radio. Yeah. So you're decently familiar. It's another thing. I never heard these songs in my life. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So I'm going in and I'm trying to feel my way through. Um, I work my way through, I get through the rehearsal, we get there on Sunday and it goes amazing. People are like, man, that was an incredible set. It's one of the best sets we've had at our church. That was amazing. And then Monday, the worship pastor calls me and says, Hey man, I, um, I wasn't there at rehearsal, but I heard you weren't that prepared for rehearsal. And I was like, we talk about practice. We talk about practice. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled up. Put an Alvin, I put an Allen Iverson on. No, so so so, but that was important for me to learn. Yeah, and man. I was like, "Well, that's okay. That's good for me to know." I I didn't yeah. know that the expectation mm. was for me to already know all of the music before I got there. Wow. That wasn't the culture I came in. Yeah. yeah. Now I have great value. Rehearsals are much shorter. <laughs> right. You're able to value people's time. So my point is, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. I don't think one way is bad, one way is good. I'm just saying I didn't know. Right. There were languages they were used. We get to the end of a set. They said, "Hey, man, in with a half crash at the end of that song." Like, what the heck is a half crash? What is that? <laughs> what does that even mean, bro? Right? In my culture, we used to say, "Hey, man, swell out at the end there." Yeah. So just to you know, so my point is, yeah, no way is bad or good. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. when you bring different people together, yeah, you. You cannot assume that someone knows anything about your culture. For sure. So you have to work really hard to communicate that. Yeah. To communicate what your culture is, but also to ask them questions on what is your culture. Yeah. It might be something you can learn. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'll stop there for now. A lot more I can say. <laughs> I think that's very this very cool because even some of the musical language that we use here, um, just among our three circle uh church globally, um, you know, over 
in Fairhope at our Fairhope campus, they they use, hey, so and so is going to be on third above, and and so and so is going to be on fifth below. You know, someone's going to be on prime. And so coming from where I come from, it was soprano, alto, and tenor. You know, it just, you know, so for, you me, go. for me, I was like, okay, if I, fortunately I am a theory head, so I understood it. But I was like, man, for the person who don't know this, like, they'll be like mad confused. Yeah. And so, like, I even started to implement different types of verbiage on different uh, uh, weeks just to get our team familiar with the different kinds of language that are out there. So that when they go and help another church or if they move on, you know, and they just all together go to another church that they know um, different ways to communicate this musical language. And so I think that's key, just understanding different cultures, how other cultures communicate and make sure we're preparing our people to be able to communicate with other people, even outside of music, just on different cultural levels. So I think that's very, that's just awesome, man. Nailed it. In my planning center for our church, literally, uh, we do about eight singers. And we literally have alto, soprano, tenor in planning center. <laughs> yep. So when people know they when they when they accept, they know like, oh, this is the part I'm listening for. Yeah. As yeah. I'm preparing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For so sure. yeah. absolutely. Yes, sir. I think yeah, that applies totally ministerially too. Like as you minister, and that's probably the wrong way to say it, but it applies contextually for sure too. Like even like I was learning like some I'm reading Pastor Derwin. You know, I'm reading other guys that are leading multi ethnic church nationally. And, and ethnic really is the the uh, the pop, not the popular lingo, but more uh, the academic lingo. You know, the theologians are saying ethnic, but I learned in conversation people in my block and in my city, they're going to say race nine times out of ten. And so we put our vision branding on the side of the building. We didn't say multi ethnic, you know, mission shaped or whatever. Like y'all say, they're contextualized. We said all classes, all races, all people. You know, because yeah. we want, we didn't want there to be a you know to be some type of confusion about what does this mean. Uh, now, when we get down to it, we teach our people here. We're going to dig down theologically and say race is a construction. You know, ethnicity yep. is you know identifying factors of color and culture and all that. But we didn't want to to, to lose people at the onset by by not being able to connect. You know, with what is the lingo of the community we're reaching. You know, we wanted to yep. be able to, to to remove that that initial barrier until we had the second conversation. You know, I think that's so important when you're doing cross cultural ministry that you understand. You know, what is the common language people use in our community? So important. That, bro, that is so good. And you need to do what you need to do for your context. That's it. You yeah. know, um, that's another, that's, a, I'm glad you said that because that's, that's super important. Um, Everything that works for me might not work for you. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, in your, in your context and culture. And to your point, I've got a guy on our team who is, um, African-American, brown skin, mm. but was adopted by white parents. Oh, wow. Man. Yeah. So he's not culturally what you would consider black. Yeah. Um, But he is. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. So you know what I mean? Yeah. So and, and, and there's so many other scenarios like that. You know, I think that's important, too, because the other piece is that um, no group of people is a monolith. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. And so there are white people who prefer um gospel music yeah there are sure. black people who prefer contemporary music yeah yep. you know um and and everything and the conversation in america it's very black and white mm. but it's starting to become very also hispanic and asian yeah, yeah. and you know yeah. you know so it's the conversation is getting more and more and more and more um dynamic Sure. You know, and so no, I, I so I'm just saying all that to say I agree with you, 
Um, a hundred percent on that. Mm. Agree with you, hundred percent. Yeah, That's so good. Man. Yeah, for sure. So good. So I know we can spend a lot of time here, but I want to move on to this next question. Um, so my next question for you is what are some practical steps that worship leaders can begin uh, to take to transform their monoethnic worship gathering into a multi-ethnic worship experience? That's great. Uh, some of the first steps. So, 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 you know, I'm always going to, I'm always going to have like a, because of like my wiring and how I was discipled, I'm always going to have a theological lean and then I'm going to have and then I'll have a practical. Oh, um, everybody typically wants to go to the practical, um, but the practical doesn't always um, translate evenly to every you know s- scenario. For sure. So um, the first thing I say is kind of like what I said earlier. Disciple your people. Yeah. Disciple your people. It can't just be we're playing these songs and we want to become more diverse. Like mm-hmm. it needs to be a conversation. Um, and you need to have buy-in. Um, I know some people um, who are listening to this podcast right now are a worship leader who wants to push this um, this philosophy and this idea and this vision, uh, but their lead pastor is not as passionate about it, mm. or vice versa. Yeah. Um. So I would say unity across your leadership yeah, and unity amongst your team. So you just need to have like you again, gospel foundation. Seriously, serious. Like people need to know why you yeah. got to start with why. If you don't start with why people are always going to have an issue because you're basically telling people to uh, welcome to, to just walk right into doing something that's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You're telling them to like, okay, everybody, we get to be uncomfortable. Everybody in, go. Like, that's like, nobody, like, and the reality is nobody really likes the cha- likes change mm. as much as the person who's implementing. For sure. Yeah. So one thing that I would suggest if you're trying to transition from mono-ethnic to multi-ethnic in your music, don't go too hard too fast. Mm. Take your time. It's a process. I would st- I would even if a church is monoethnic and is used to singing one style of music, I would start by messing with the rhythm structure, messing with the in essence, messing with the beat, yeah. messing with the drums, the percussion. Yeah. yeah. And then I would I would then I would start messing with adding harmonies, three part harmonies specifically. Because in a lot of any music, you can identify almost any ethnic like genre. Yeah. Whether it's like, you know, Latin, gospel, R&B, whatever. You can identify it by the beat. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. When I do um, courses on this, I'll literally have a drum set in the room and I will just play different beats and tell people to tell me, like, what genre did I just play? And most of the time they can pretty quick reggae. Yeah. They can tell me what the genre is just by the beat that I played. Mm, there's yeah. no there's no music notes, there's no melodies, there's no lyrics, right. nothing, just drums and they know what it is. Yeah. So that's an easy way to start to introduce it a little bit at a time. Mm. Sing songs that they kind of already know, but then put flavor on the song. Mm. That's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. Um then I would say introducing a song 
And one of the things that I think worship leaders is important for them to know is that they have a responsibility. Like I would tell them to read Colossians 3.16. And I would also tell them to read Ephesians 5, 18, 19. Okay. What both of them say say is uh uh Colossians 3.16 talks about, hey, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Mm-hmm. So in essence, he's saying a tool for discipleship is singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Mm. So I think it's important not for us to just take a moment to transition the song to like get a little mini sermon in, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Or just talk about what we're going through in our life personally. Yeah. But to disciple your congregation. Mm. We um we're singing Raise a Hallelujah this past week. And as we were in the song, um we we sang it uh, at the end of the song, I raise a hallelujah, I raise a hallelujah. And then we switched literally right into the second stanza, Levantun Hallelujah, Levantun Hallelujah. Come on. We're straight to Spanish, right? Mm, come on. Yeah. And just put that in the song. But as we're doing that, I'm ad-libbing on top and saying, God, we will praise you in from every nation and every tribe and every tongue. Yeah. That's what I'm ad-libbing on top. Mm, yeah. So I'm like, like, I'm literally socializing the idea yeah. as we're doing it live. That's mm. good, man. And then as soon as we get done with the song, we'll then I had the young lady who, who was singing it. Um, she sang like a down chorus in Spanish, and then we sang another one in English right after. Yeah. And even when we did the Spanish, we'll have the Spanish lyrics on the and then have the English translation right under that line. Yeah. For like pro presenter. Yeah. So it's like even when you push people into something new you're sort of tagging it in a way that they can understand. So yeah. in essence, I wouldn't say like, just take a hard right and just go all like, all Donnie McClurkin and Fred Hammond and Kirk Frank. Like, <laughs> like don't, don't do that. That's not, that's just not why. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. You know, so that's what I would say in that part. Um, oh, the other thing that I said, other, other thing in the Ephesians 5, it says, he literally says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's one of the ways that um, worship leaders need to know that one of the ways that we are filled with the spirit is when we when we sing and lead people. Mm, and one of the ways awesome. that people are discipled, the way that the word of Christ dwells richly among us is by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So I think it's important for worship leaders to know what their role is. Mm, that's so good. And it's their job. So we need to think about that. Teach people. Yeah. yeah. Teach people why do you even raise your hands? Why do we do that? What does yeah. that represent? Yeah. I'll just assume that they know. Yeah. That's good, man. Um, but also say, hey, we're gonna sing a song today. We're gonna sing a new song today. And in Revelation 5, there's this picture that says that every nation and every tribe and every tongue will be gathered around the throne giving praise to God. And God made each one of us uniquely. And so we're gonna sing this song today. And it has a little bit of a different flavor to it. But I want you to jump in as soon as you get it, and I want you to sing this along with us today. Yeah. So you're inviting them into that. You get what I'm saying? And yes. telling them, here's why we're doing it. Yeah. So uh, I would say that. Um, I'll stop there because I think you probably have other questions. No, man. There's a lot I, I think, can say. I was going to say, you got seven hours? <laughs> <laughs> I wish we did, man. Yeah. Um, but no, seriously, I think that's beautiful because one of the things that I learned to help me out 
um, especially coming from a predominantly monoethnic uh, church environment to come in here to a very multi-ethnic, you know, already established kind of audience. Um, as we were transitioning the music styles is that I started to bring in music that leaned toward what they were already doing, you know, so that way, like we kind of just kind of slowly uh, went over into this other area that now it feels more like inclusive for everyone um, versus it just being, you know, acceptable or, you know, um, you know, a thing for just one audience. Right. Sure. And so Absolutely. Uh, I would I would even just kind of tag that onto what you said for for those of you who are watching, um, you know, hey, just make sure that as you're implementing new stuff, like that's another method that you could possibly use where you're doing new new tunes that lean to what they're already doing so that as you're introducing new content, it's not a, just a total culture shock musically for, you know, your worship audience. And so, um, yeah, man, it's just like those little things, man, just kind of help help you transition well, help you, you know, and then that way you don't lose uh, people like as many people you're going to lose some people because sure. like you say everybody don't like change some people are just going to be totally just against it and you know honestly those may not be the people that you're called to reach yeah you know and so and that's it you have to learn how to kind of live within that right. and so that's one of the things even doing multi-ethnic ministry that we understand we're not going to though we would love to reach everyone we're just not going to because some people they just have their preferences and those preferences happen to be a blockade for what god want to do you know that's right. just kind of in in the earth yeah. so yep um one of the things that i communicate often is saying um you know every now and then when I'm uh, on the way home from work or somewhere, I will um, I'll stop by the store and get my wife some cotton candy and some or some Reese's cups or some nerds or something like that. Right. Because that's our favorite candy. And I'll bring that home. Right. And say, hey, babe, here, I was just thinking about you. And so it's an acknowledgement. Right. But our relationship is not built on cotton candy. So you know, um, that is just an expression of saying, hey, I see you. I appreciate you and I love you. Yeah. And so I think what we do in music, we'll never do it perfectly. A multi-ethnic church is not built on multi-ethnic music. Mm. On. And if you're feeling like if you're a pastor out there and you're putting the pressure on your worship leader. Um, to kind of hold the weight of the church becoming multi-ethnic, mm. that's wrong. Mm. That's good. That's good. And if you're a worship leader and you feel all the pressure of moving the church towards being multi-ethnic, that's not solely your job. I think the people in the parking lot and the people at the front door, I think they're equally as important as who you have um, on the stage. Yeah, that's good, man. Those are the first touch points that people will have. Like, is that a diverse group of people? Is yeah. the door diverse? Is the parking lot crew diverse? Um, because that communicates something to people too. Mm. Are the ushers diverse? The people that lead people to their seats? Yeah. That's the question I think we need to be um those are some of the questions we need to be asking ourselves. You get what I'm saying? I just Absolutely. I just think I think that's important for people to know. That music is an important tool. M music says, I see you, I appreciate you, I love you. But you'll never perfectly reach everybody. Because what about people from Asia? And then you can't just look at a person's skin being brown and then being like, oh, yeah, they like this type of music mm. because you have mm. African people. You have Jamaican people. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, amongst African, you got Nigeria, Liberia, right. <laughs> Ghana, 
Like, right. like there's just so many different cultures. Yeah. You can't assume that yeah. you'll just, my point is you'll never reach every single person. Your set would be like 17 hours long. Yeah. Yeah. To catch, to catch every genre that people like. Yeah. Right. So you pray, you let the Holy Spirit lead you and you try your best. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's mm. good. Good, man. Well, hey, um, so I want to know this. What led you to want to educate people on the importance of multi-ethnic worship? Like what were some past experiences or just some things that triggered you to like really have a heart for wanting to coach people in this in this particular uh, way? Um, I would just say I'm probably um, teaching is just a spiritual gift in general. But uh, also there's just not a ton of examples mm. and there's a lot of people who really want to do it and they just don't know where to start. Yeah. Yeah. So people just ask me a lot to be honest. <laughs> yeah, sure. They just ask me a ton. Yeah. And, and I think that's great. And I think we need more resources to help resource people to help people. Cause there's a lot of people that got out that have some great hearts and they yeah. really want to do it right. Mm. And they just don't know. And they might, you know, even with a great heart, might try the wrong method and yeah. somebody gets offended and and then some people just need to be encouraged because there's some people that are like they feel called to it and they're like the only one in their whole staff mm. that even cares you know or or um they're they people on their staff do care but they're like the only church in the region that has that sort of emphasis yeah, yeah. and so they feel alone yeah and when it gets difficult and those and those cultures start clashing, you know, it could wear away. At, it can it could wear away at you, man. Yeah. It can like I'm gonna be real. Like I've had several days I, where I've been like, bro, I'm about to go back on the road, man. Like mm. I'm I'm this is for the birds, man. Yeah. I am good, you know. Man, yeah. Because yeah. so, I want to be honest. Like it's hard. Yeah. It's difficult. And so I think. Um, I think it's important. Um, I think it's important for people to be resourced. I think it's important for people to be encouraged. Mm. And so that's why I do it. Mm. That's good, man. For sure. And I'll just tell you, you know, KJ, uh, in our, in our, you know, story as our campus, you know, when I first came here it was a revitalization effort, much like a church plant, you know, very, uh, um, not really multi-generational or, or multi-ethnic, you know? And so, uh, and just getting to the place where we were ready to hire the next person growth-wise. But in uh, getting Marcel here, I mean, we went through, man, in and, and, and three and a half years' time I was here prior to Marcel coming, closer to, you know, uh, four years now, um, we must have had um, five or six interim worship leaders and wow. ca- and countless, countless people. So I say interim at least a month or so. Uh, and countless, yeah. like, people in from Sunday to Sunday. Like I, wow. I've lost count. Like we had a guy come for an event uh, that Monday of this week, and he was like, "Yeah, I was here this time." And I'm like, "Man, I it's we've had so many. I don't remember when he was here." Um, <laughs> and so we joke with him, be like, "Marcel, you were a unicorn, bro." Like you know, it, it was like we're out there. I said, "So here's what we need. We need we need this, 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 and this." You know, and so um, you know, I, I can I can feel your pain in that sense of just the you know the appreciation for what you do for what Marcel does and being able to take those different rhythms of culture, those different genres of culture, those different expressions of music. And really you're making, you know, you're making a tapestry every Sunday morning 
uh, of of diverse elements and making it into yep. a unified thing. Yeah, man. Which is, you know, uh, if somebody grew up, like you said, in a certain worship stream or genre and they're good at it, it's one thing to get up there and just flow out of your normalcy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you can just, it's like you could do it in your sleep because it's, you know, it's something you've been doing for decades. It's another thing to be able to not only take your competency, but take uh, another another genre of, of norm and normalcy and begin to take things that you're having to lean into other people in your team and having to, you know, it takes a different, like you said, calling. It starts with what, in three circle terms, we say the why behind the what. Yeah. Like your why mm-hmm. is big enough that it defines everything else. You say, you know what, is this harder? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Um, so, man, we appreciate yes, you. Yes, that's so good, man. That is so good. Um, can I say one more thing before we end? Of course, of course, man. Thank you for being on. We appreciate I, it. Um, and that's so good, man. That's so good. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I just want to say this. I did a worship. I actually um, have a worship mentoring program called Life and Song. Mm. And I started it last year because of the amount of just like DMs on Instagram and Twitter. Like, can you mentor me? Can you mentor yeah, me? Yeah. Wow. That's what it did. I was yeah. like, okay, let me do something where I can do something with a group of people because awesome. it's too many people, right? Right. Yeah. Um. But you know what I found, man? I found that COVID was a pandemic, but a greater pandemic is lack of discipleship in the church. Oh, man. Mm. What? That's good. Absolutely. If I told you the amount of people that I've had a conversation with who were on staff at churches, no longer are, and they're scared to get back on staff because they said, I feel like I love Jesus more when I'm not working at church. Wow. How sad is that? Mm, wow. I remember in my worship cohort that I did, I told people that I told people in the introductions, I said, hey, introduce yourself. Tell us what church you're from, you know, what city, state, country you're from, whatever. Tell us about your role and like, what do you want to get from this time today? Mm. I didn't share one iota of content and people during the intros were on the call crying Wow! because the consistent thread was people were saying, I just want to be disciples. Mm. And these are all people working at churches. Wow. And so I just want to steal a moment in you guys podcast <laughs> to share this thought that like, I was about to say something, but I decided not to. I just filtered it. We need to bring discipleship back. Mm. We need to bring discipleship back. And even when we talk about the concept of a multi-ethnic worship team, you know what else I would tell a worship leader? Disciple your team. Mm. Come on. Care for their hearts. Mm. Because a lot of people, when they bring people um, in, from a different, say you're trying to hire somebody from a different culture or bring somebody in, we think what they want is like money in a platform. But if we treat them like disciples of Jesus, mm. even when things get difficult, you might be surprised that they're buy-in because they're like, you know what? That pastor, that guy, that worship leader, he's not like me, but dang, that dude cares about me. I was just interviewing somebody for a role at our church yesterday and they said where they came from previously. They worked really, really hard. They mm. almost burnt out. And they said, man, it would just it would have just been nice if my pastor would have just asked me, how you doing? Wow, man, that's sad. That's so tough. 
And so we need to, we need to, and the problem, the thing is, we've always had the vaccine to the pandemic. Mm. <laughs> we just need to make the decision to use it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's good, man. So those are some of my final thoughts. I think that was just, you know, sorry. But yeah. No, nah, man, don't apologize. That's Please, good stuff, man. man. That's good stuff. Heck. Yeah. Well, um, KJ, man, thank you so much just for being the gift that you are, bro. Yeah, man. Uh, for coming on to the mega podcast and making it even more megatastic. Uh, we appreciate you, man. Um, to those who are watching, thank you so much for tuning in. And, and for those of you who are listening, uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit that notification bell. Share this content. Our whole goal here at Mega Podcast is to be a resource for multi-ethnic church plants and church leaders across the world. So if you know someone who is on this mission of, of establishing or building a multi-ethnic church, please make sure you share this content. Share it today. Make sure that all those who you're connected with have access to this information because at the end of the day, we just want to be a resource so that you can have uh, valuable and invaluable building blocks to be able to build the, the ministry of Jesus in your context, in your community, on your block. Um, so with that being said, we love y'all. Uh, KJ, again, thank you so much for being yeah, with man, us today, you. man. Micah, man, it's always good to sit in this seat with you, man. Like, I appreciate you. And I I'll say you, this, man. man, like, like he is he is probably more passionate um, about multi-ethnic ministry than I ever dreamed I would be. Um, and then <laughs> me getting connected to it. him, me getting connected to him, he lit a fire inside of me about uh, for multi-ethnic ministry. And so I didn't realize how much of a mission of Christ this is, you know, um, uh, in the beginning. And so through our relationship, I have understood what multi-ethnic ministry uh, is, what it should look like and, and, and things that we, practical things and also uh, 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 theological things that we could do um, as, as Pastor KJ said earlier, um, that we can do to take those steps. And so thank you for your stewardship and your, it, your leadership, man. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just awesome. So anywho, this is Mega Podcast. Um, we love y'all. We love each other. And uh, yeah, go be Megatastic. We done. That's right. Appreciate y'all. <laughs>